Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. So there's a reason why I started Blood Origins. And that reason is simple. Is that I wanted to convey the truth about hunting. It brings awareness to to non-hunters that it's, it's more than just killing animals. How do I start it? Brittany. My name. My name. Is <laughs> my hair look okay? It's fantastic. My name is Mike Axelrod. Start again. Yeah, I hated it too. Braxton, <laughs> you said something in the car to me. You said that you were living on borrowed time. Hmm. There's a perception around who hunters are, what we're supposed to be, and a a feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. <laughs> Look, here is the proof. 6.53, yeah. I WhatsApp you saying it's not working. Yeah, Seven the, minutes before for the, the podcast is supposed you, to start. For the six yes. of you out there that listen to this podcast, just know that uh, we are officially late because Robbie can't log into his own podcast. And uh, <laughs> I took a lot of grief last week about – I wasn't even late. I just wasn't early. You're late. Did you get no? You were late last week. Come on, maybe a little. Yeah, you get any text messages about you being late on our text message uh, line? The only uh, I did, in fact, get a text message. Let me pull. No, it up. you didn't. Seriously. No, yeah, it was Rob though. Oh, <laughs> it was it was Rob that was on the show as a guest <laughs> while we were talking about the text message. Um, he did mention. Um, he said the listener guests keep getting better, meaning he didn't set the bar too high is what he says. Um, and then he said that he will uh, stay on Ryan to keep his word to get me into a Pennsylvania deer camp. So it was uh, our text message system works, folks. If 
you text 620-860-4804, you can send in a question or a comment. Or if you have a step-by-step instruction for Robbie on how to log into Squadcast on his own podcast, you could send that to us in text. Yeah, I need that. I need that for sure. Um, for sure. But it does work. We got our first one, and it's exciting. Yeah, that is exciting. I was, uh, even though it was from Rob, and we love Rob. But um, let's let's see if we can jack up a, maybe two text messages next week. Right, right. That's the goal after. there, Blood Origins listeners. We need two text messages sent to 620-860-4804. Really just say anything you want. Just make us feel good that you're actually sending us a text message. Yeah. Tim, <laughs> you can be one of those text message senders, okay? Oh, I'll week. do my best or an email or something. There you go. Perfect. There we go. Well, Tim Lemire, welcome to the Blood Origins podcast. Hey. Just like the other cadre of individuals, you reached out and said, hey, yep. are you serious? And we're like, yeah, we're serious. <laughs> hey, you even pronounced my uh, last name right. That's awesome. <laughs> hey, most South Africans pronounce things appropriately. Oh, you know why, go. Cody? Because we can enunciate. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly awesome. what it is. Tim, where are you coming from today? Okay, so I come from Swift Current, Saskatchewan, up in Canada. Wow, our first international yes. roundup guest. Honestly, I think yeah. it is the first international roundup guest we've had, haven't we, Cody? No, we've had a couple. We had Craig Merton from Australia. Um, oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. Our, our first. Our first uh, Canuck? Canuck, inter- correct. <laughs> but close. Close to first. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> so, Tim, what yeah. do you do as a day job? Uh, well, these days I swing a hammer. I'm a construction worker. So, uh, yeah, that's what I've been doing for the past uh, 10 years. Born and raised a hunter? Born and raised a hunter, absolutely. Absolutely, yep. Um, uh, Dad took you out in the woods, that kind of stuff? Uh, if you want to call him woods, sure. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, as, uh, no, my father, he's the one that, uh, taught me and my, a couple of my brothers to hunt. Um, he's a big advocate for the outdoors. And so that's been passed on to us and I am actually passing that on to my children. My oldest son, he's, uh, he got his first hunting license this year. So. Fantastic. Yep. Have you ventured out yet? Uh, actually there's moose meat in the freezer. Oh man. Amazing. <laughs> Yeah, no, uh, I went out there and did that, and uh, same trip, uh, took my boy and my dad out. We did a bit of upland uh, bird hunting, but, uh, you know, birds that we seen the day prior, they weren't there that day that we went out, so it's just, that's how hunting goes. (laughs) So you talked about the woods. Uh, There's no no real woods around where you live? Well, well... (laughs) Where I live currently in uh, Swift Current, uh, there's there's really not that much. It's quite open uh, prairie, rolling hills, that sort of thing. Uh, where I grew up is considered uh, parkland region, uh, okay. so there there is some trees, still a lot of fields, um, and uh, yeah, there's 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 lots of lots of different uh, region types within the province. Uh, if I were to live up north, it's we got the Precambrian Shield going up there, so mm-hmm. it's all forest and granite. So, mm-hmm. um, but uh, yeah, no. Where did you go moose hunting? Uh, where I grew up, actually, in that parkland region. Uh, I got drawn this year. Felt like I won the lottery again. So, because <laughs> it's the fourth time for me. But uh, 
But uh, yeah, no, it was a, a quick hunt actually. But uh, bull or cow? A bull, yeah, a young bull. Yeah. So the uh, the draw odds is it completely random or you get preference points? Or uh, it, it, it's not so much. It's a pool system. So basically, you start in D pool and you work your way up to what's known as Super A, and then uh, Super A you just kind of wait <laughs> once you're there because a lot of people could be in that same uh, pool, and of course it's by zone and. Uh, Right now, like the D pool is something they just added recently, and they've also added uh, it's a it's a super A like the super A pool has added a thing where if you've been in that pool for I think eight maybe ten years I think it's ten years actually uh, there then the preference will head towards you sort of thing if you okay. haven't been drawn in that time so yeah cool cool yeah. Tim, you but, have an uh, uh, education in natural resources and environmental sciences? Uh, yes, I do. I Oh, geez. I was 23 when I headed on over to Ontario, uh, Sir Sanford Fleming College in Lindsay, Ontario, Frost Campus. And there I took a fish and wildlife technician program and also a natural resources technology law enforcement program. And went on yeah. to be a conservation officer for some period of time. Yes, right? yes. I it was a seasonal position within this province. I was a conservation officer for five uh, seasons. It was kind of a entry level thing, and uh, no, it was a it was a great time. But I had to step out. It was uh, taking a little long for myself. I needed to raise a family, so mm. <laughs> and so I had to find something else to do. But. Uh, yeah, no, it was a good time though. So, but uh, yeah, no, it was a great time in that uh, college environment as well with that program. So, good times. Excellent, 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 excellent. Well, let's jump into things. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll do our typical admin to start with. Uh, we have a wonderful supporters program happening in October right now. Some phenomenal prizes. You can win a chamois hunt in Spain. You can win a trad bow, a completely custom trad bow by Kashtuk Bowcraft. Um, you win a $250 gift card to Kafaru. Uh, we have one of the Stonewall Montana Knife Company knives that go uh, you literally sell out in five minutes on their website every time they put a knife up. Uh, we've got about a dozen prizes. We also got some gift discount codes for everyone that is a supporter. And so, uh, yeah, if you are not a supporter, we ask why. Because for the cost of a cup of coffee a month, you can get all of these. Uh, potentially, you can be in the in the winning for all these giveaways and prizes. And and you support us, do what we do every single day. And you see it every single day. We are – there's one thing that we're not called, and that is uh, – no, how am I going to phrase this, Cody? Um, we are not lacking consistency. We're going to say that. It's a lot of things we feel the need to communicate. Most very worthy. That's right. Uh, we also have a conservation club. Conservation club are for brands and organizations and companies. If you have a company uh, that you'd like to get a tax-deductible donation, uh, you can uh, become a simple member of the conservation club, which is simply putting your money where your mouth is and helping us uh, find conservation projects all around the world. And talking about conservation projects, I found a couple of really good ones today, uh, a couple in New Zealand, 
and uh, one in Zimbabwe. I started talking to someone in Bolivia. So yeah, we're doing a lot of work behind the scenes, and in in uh, Cody, Colorado. Even. Yeah, I've got some really interesting conversations starting to happen with some Colorado projects, um, local public land projects that could be very cool if if that all comes to fruition. The conservation club's a really cool thing. We're approaching twenty five members now, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, That's great. I, kudos to those companies. If you're listening to this and you don't have anything else to do, go over to our website, click on Conservation Club, and just go thank a couple of those companies. You don't got to spend money if you don't want to, but send them a message on Instagram or something telling them thanks for for helping us keep the wheels turning over here. Yeah, very simple. Simple DM to any of those companies just saying thank you for supporting Blood Origins will go a long way for us. Uh, Last but not least, Amazon.com. Uh, is a place where you can sign up a non-profit for Amazon to send you a percentage of the the revenue that uh, uh, they you, receive. Send us. You said send They you. send us. Yeah, they're not going to send us. Right. Yes. Smile.amazon.com. Pick Blood Origins. Pick Blood Origins. <laughs> I threw in... Um, at the very last second, I threw in an admin note that's not really an admin note, and it's not fair to Tim because he didn't get it. But um, I want to I interject. I want to talk really quickly about a post that we put on social media this week about the wolf um, quota debacle um, in Wisconsin. Yeah. Um, 130 by the DNR, 300 by the commissioners. Right. The DNR went against the commissioners and low, lowered it. A lot of people... Uh, went back to 130, right? And it was, a, what's it, 76? 74. The tribes get 56. <laughs> um, so 74 wolves is the target quota in Wisconsin for the hunting season. For the fall and, hunting season, for right? For the fall hunting season, yeah. And I want to uh, – a lot of people who on a lot of issues are in our camp, right? A lot of people who tend to be on our side are upset about this. And I think like initially that was my knee jerk. Mm-hmm. And then I really should have the person's name. A person put a comment on our Facebook page on the post that I think completely changed my mind about this particular thing and made me rethink it. And they said, look, this is science over emotion and science over politics in action right here. It Correct. is. It's, it's the biologist saying, look, we really don't know what the other 2021 Wisconsin wolf debacle, 2021 Wisconsin wolf, wolf debacle part one, where they didn't, they, they were rushed into making a legal hunting season. I shouldn't say they were rushed into. It happened quickly. I don't know if they were rushed or not, but it happened quickly. Um, and they came back and said, look, we don't know what effect overall that had on the population 
We're going to lower right. this number a little bit. And I know that mm-hmm. everyone out there, like whatever, everyone now thinks that I'm in the, not everyone, but a lot of people think, oh, Cody's gone liberal and loves wolves because there's this contention that the DNR is very liberal leaning in Wisconsin right. and, and the commission is very conservative leaning in Wisconsin. And all conservatives want to kill all the wolves and all liberals want wolves in their backyard. Mm-hmm. Um and it's not that case at all. I, I really do think that easing back into this is the smart way to do this. And I'm looking for some discussion there. I, I really want Robbie's highfalutin scientist opinion on this and Tim's thoughts as well. That I, I for, and most folks don't know how much I've been involved in the wolf thing right like in a, in a previous in a previous uh project that i was on before blood origins i i know what's going on with the wolves not from a science standpoint but from a population and a depredation and in a human wildlife conflict i've been deeply involved in it and most of the time i'm on this pro we've got to hunt the wolves and i still am i just think maybe wisconsin did the right thing here because they don't know what effect the earlier season had on the overall population. Mm-hmm. No, there's certainly something to be said that I don't believe a population survey or estimate has been done since the, in the original take. So, you know, you could do a simple math exercise and go with what you had as an estimate and, rem- and remove the number that were totally would, that were taken in the spring season. The the comment that you were talking about read like this, whether or not I agree with the number of tags given out, I feel better about the DNR choosing the number more so than the natural resources resource board's number, simply because the board decides things based on political pressure, the DNR much less so science greater than emotion. And that's true. You know, the DNR, regardless of what you think about DNRs generally across the states and, and Wisconsin, they're the resource experts. They're the resource biologists that have been hired, that have been trained, that went to university to do this work and to do the job. And their jobs, as I expressed in a in in teaching as a professor to young wildlife biologists, it's their job to manage the resource. It's their job to sustain the resource for future generations. That's why they chose to go into the service. It's a public service job. It's not, a, it's not a, a private job where they're making a lot of money. It's a, it's a state service job. And so I agree with you, Cody. I think that, you know, they still have a hunt. They still have a quota. Um, I still am um, just like I was on the 214 when they said, well, they went over the quota by 112%. In my biological opinion, they only went over the quota by 7% because the quota was 200. Biologically, they set the population number at 200. They killed 214. Yes, the tribe itself that is given the numbers is given a quota, but it is on record that they have said, we are not killing any wolves. So that's where I stand. I'm with you. I think that the number being lower in this fall season is good to see. I don't know when they plan to do another population estimate. Um, Hopefully this winter, you know, winter and spring. Um, 
they're, they're going to need to do a population estimate very soon to be able to see where they're at adaptively from a science management perspective. Tim, your thoughts? Uh, well, I don't really live in Wisconsin, so. <laughs> but, no, neither. Uh, do you know? <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, I, I, you know, I've been listening and I've been hearing about all that and um like we don't like we got wolves here don't get me wrong and we do have a bit of a i do believe i can actually get a wolf tag if i want but uh said i'd have to do some traveling to find one but uh no like you guys are spot on in my opinion it's uh like i work for the ministry of environment here and you know the biologists the the technicians that the frontline workers like they're they're the ones that uh know what's going on and also up here anyway they also rely on the hunters as well that for input as well mm-hmm. so no if they uh because another thing like if there's still a hunt going on and if the numbers were lowered great um you know, hopefully they can go and do another, uh, you know, population, you know, see what's out there. Uh, but also, you know, what effects it going to have on the prey species that these things eat? Um, will they be able to tell by, you know, will some of those prey species, you know, increase sort of thing? Sure, sure. No, and it's I- just a fascinating topic, right? Wolves are wolves, hey, Cody. Yeah, no, 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 absolutely. And if if they come back next year and they try to lower it again, and the DNR seems to look like they're making a political move to save wolves, the, the, then we call their bluff and we get angry. But there was a set of circumstances there where it was a really hurried hunt in the beginning of the year. No population study has been done and they want to make a conservative go at it, that's a thing that we as hunters should be grateful for um, because they're managing it with with science and not with politics or emotion. That's my thoughts on it, and I guarantee you there's going to be... Get some text messages. Text Cody about wolves, please. (laughs) Yes, tell me how many... I know exactly the... I know I've been to northern Wisconsin and seen it. I know that the wolves have devastated things up there. Um, I can promise you that if we go and wipe them out and deplete them, they will get put back on the ESA and we should manage them with common sense and science. Um, And I'm on your side. I am leaving in four days to go hunt wolves. All right. I am not. I am not a let nature figure out the wolves problem guy. But I do think that the uh, Wisconsin DNR, from what I know about it, made a scientific choice and not a political choice. And, and uh, that's my thoughts. And I, it, it, it was a cool moment for me because I did not think that until I read that comment and thought, shit, I just knee-jerked this and got mad at the wrong people for the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, let's jump into it, Tim. You mm-hmm. are uh, our guest, and you get to choose the first article. Yeah. And uh, I may put money on the article that you choose, but go ahead. 
Okay, well, being a Canuck here, <laughs> um, I'm going to talk about the uh, one from the, I do it was, believe is the Calgary Herald, and uh, about bears in Canmore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. British Columbia, Whistler resident. Oh, is, is no, that the, no, the one? No, no, not that you'd one. That, uh... You'd have lost that bet because you took two Canada articles <laughs> back to back. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That one's pretty interesting, too. But, uh, Let's do the Calgary Herald one, yes. and then we'll do that one after that. So. All right. <laughs> the Canmore. Sorry, Canmore and Bears. Canmore, yeah. Canmore is in Alberta. Okay. Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah, no, apparently they got a bear problem, like uh, many places, I guess. But, uh, no, it's an interesting article overall. Uh, my, my thoughts um, would have been... Nice to have a few things included in the article because uh, it almost looks like they're blaming people with fruit trees in their yards as the problem is to why there's bears there. Um, it's been quite a year when it comes to heat and drought in, in this country. Um, I'm not sure what the weather exactly was like in Canmore, but uh, I know BC was hitting record highs for heat. Uh, a lot of places were. And... Uh, so what did that do to berry popular like berry counts what did that mm -hmm. do to you know waterways like mm -hmm. i i went to calgary and this you know camera is not in calgary but the saskatchewan river is uh, i've never seen it so low in the entirety of my life and uh so you can't really just blame people who have a fruit tree in their yard as to why the bears are in town and they even said in the article, this isn't a record. This isn't even a record amount of bears that they've had there. So it's like, what's what, what's the point of the article? <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't I don't know. I just uh, I found it kind of funny to read. And uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. The, uh, the 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 Jay Honeyman is the individual in the article that yeah. gets a lot of attention. A yeah. human wildlife conflict biologist with the Alberta Environment and Parks and. And Jay is uh, quoted by saying, if you are a resident of Canmore and you've got a fruit tree and you've had a bear in your yard, then you bear some responsibility to make sure these bears don't end up in town. It's like, you're going to cut down all your fruit trees. Well, did, you get to the bottom, did you get to the bottom of the article where the town has a fruit tree removal incentive program? For 300 bucks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's uh, they have they have removed four bears in one week though. That's fairly. I don't really know what's the you know the yeah. approximate population of Canmore, Tim. I mean, is oh, it a big? You know, I couldn't even. I've been through Alberta and BC, and I couldn't even tell if I've been through Canmore. But uh, not it's a huge population total of about no, it's not in twenty sixteen. Yeah, fourteen thousand. Okay, Four bear removals in a week in a town that size, that's that's quite a few bears in town. I mean, it really is. Yeah, but they even said that's not the most they've had. So, right. <laughs> so I, I don't know. They're in bear country, for starters. And, 26 uh, miles, it says. It, it sort of spread out over. Yeah. And I don't know. And when they say bears removed, well, in what way? Yes. <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah, well, sure. <laughs> Relocated for the first 26 miles, then yeah. euthanized. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, uh, 
you know, where I got my education, Ontario, uh, my, uh, my one instructor, he was actually on a board to deal with bear issues in Peterborough, Ontario. And he literally said, well, they asked him, you know, his opinion on how to deal with these bears because they didn't have bear problems. It was during the spring bear hunt uh, ban that they used to have in Ontario that this went down. And uh, so he suggested, well, haze them, use rubber bullets and uh, beanbag guns and whatever. And so they associate the place with a with, uh, place that they just don't want to be at. Yeah. And he, <laughs> that didn't go over well. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, there, all, all, there is all sorts at this uh on this board and uh yeah the animal rights people they uh they didn't like that idea but uh no that what i've learned is you uh you relocate a bear uh it knows where it's good and it'll find its way back <laughs> well talking about knowing where it's good just moving a little bit away in british columbia canada and yeah. whistler <laughs> we had an article uh, by CBC News called Whistler Resident Fines $60,000 after feeding black bears with bulk groceries. Yep. <laughs> Did you uh, read the comments on this uh, post? Oh, I didn't read the comments on that one. <laughs> 57 comments. <laughs> Good. I'm so people don't get it. Uh, I think she deserves it. Uh, you know, I would like to know why she's doing it. Does she have a mental health problem? <laughs> Gosh, they were ringing her, man. I want to see the photo of her writing a check for 60 grand, and I want to know when it bounces and then what happens. <laughs> yeah, I have a so funny feeling there's going to be a little oh, bit of community was, service there. <laughs> that was specifically that – was, that was a comment by Doogie Russ, by the way. Right? Mm -hmm. I do yeah. – this woman – what did she do? She bought a bunch of apples, carrots, eggs. Weekly. Weekly. Yeah. During the summer of 2018. So it wasn't anything recent, but this is yeah. you know, during the summer of 2018. Mm -hmm. My question is, isn't it legal to bait bears in British Columbia? Uh, I am, you know, I don't know, but I imagine so. But the, the I don't think you can bait them in your yard, though. <laughs> well, you'd have to have a. I, 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 you'd probably have to have a permit for a bait site and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. She was feeding them ten cases of apples, fifty pounds of carrots, and fifteen dozen eggs a week. I mean, you know, I got my own family to feed here, let alone feed some bears. Well, she also lives in Whistler, which I'm. I mean, yeah. probably. Uh, I don't know. I guess I don't know anything about the residents of Whistler. I do know if you're going to go skiing there that you got to take a second mortgage on your home to go do it. But yeah, <laughs> it's uh, the, the fine seems excessive, but at the same time, to me, this is one of the there, there's a lot of folks around in, in the area where I live who I mean, in town, like in a normal in town neighborhood are feeding the deer um i mean it's nothing to drive around some of these mountain towns and there be 25 mule deer laying in someone's front yard on They're a, just pouring the corn to it or something like that yeah and it's dumb it's really really dumb um it just encourages problems and you know, domesticating that wild animal is not 
is which is what you're doing. I mean, if if, yeah. if you, as soon as you get it to rely on you as a food source, um, they don't care about cars in the road. They don't, you know, um, it is dumb, but. I think there's probably some lawyer that gave her a call immediately and said, look, let's talk about the amount of this fine. Um, and I, I, it seems like a really harsh fine. I don't know, you know, maybe, maybe it's her 19th offense or something. I don't know, but, uh, that's a lot of yeah. groceries. <laughs> I mean, she's spending hundreds of dollars a week feeding the bears in her yard. So, yeah. Crazy people, man. Crazy people. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it would have been nice to get a little more detail as to how that fine was so big, but well, it's it a does. Precedent it, sitting. It's it a does, precedent it, sitting. So, Oh, absolutely. And it does mention, um, I think that was the thing that they settled on too. I think it could have been higher, mm. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, you think that was that, done that was like you think that was done like it's a thousand dollar fine for feeding bears and they knew that she did it for sixty days in a row or something? I mean, they, you think that's how well, that, that could have been? It could have been an accumulation of things. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Uh, a lot of money. She should have drove out in the yeah. woods to look at bears. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, uh, let's, let's move on from uh, feeding bears to expanding wildlife populations. And uh, I know we've kept up with it. They're very good friends of Blood Origins, Dan Cabela and the Cabela Family Foundation. Done some amazing work. Uh, first, the 24 Lions Project that went into the, the Zambezi Delta that now technically needs to be called like the 52 Lion Project or the 56 Lion Project. It's been amazing in terms of its... Um, repatriation of lions and uh, they just did it again but not with lions but with cheetahs and uh, cheetahs are one of those species that are highly endangered um, you know their population range is, is very much shrunk down by agriculture uh, it's a different kind of cat than a leopard or a lion it needs different things and uh, these guys decided man let's put cheetahs back in the Zambezi Delta uh, haven't been there for a very, very, very long time. And um, as they said in the article, uh, they pretty much expanded the cheetah range by about 30%, which is a monstrous number if you think about it. Now, granted, the Zambezi Delta is, is a very large place. You're talking 500,000 hectares probably of, of habitat, so close to a million acres, million point two acres of habitat. Um, but just an incredible conservation success story, Cody. Yeah, cool things. I mean, uh, it seems like to me that, uh, I mean, obviously the Cabela Foundation is able to do things on a grander scale than than the average bear. Um, but I love how, I love how they bring a mix of, they're, they're doing great things. There's no one more associated with hunting, right? I mean, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the guy literally was involved in outfitting 50% of the gear in this country that hunters have probably right over right. the last 50 years. Um, but they still do some phenomenal conservation projects that don't have a focused end result 
of 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 more hunting and and they they i think it's a great emphasis on uh you know that's not the goal here it's not that's not the goal here to restore cheetahs so that people can hunt cheetahs again it's to balance out what the article says is a two million acre ecosystem um and and it's it's cool when they come in and you know that the foundation the cabela family themselves plus all the other folks that support that foundation are doing uh really cool things first and foremost for wildlife and secondly um it's hard to argue with a family who's very involved in hunting is also leading the way in the world not not ahead of everyone but at the tip of the spear um, of wildlife conservation as well tim what did you think about it oh it's good to see and uh yeah, I know those cheetahs are an iconic animal. Um, just the sheer speed of them. Uh, and it's quite interesting that, you know, that's a species that's getting faster as time goes on too. Their prey gets faster as they chase them and they get faster to catch them. So that's pretty cool. Like they're a really interesting cat. Kids love them. I know I loved them as a kid. And so to see him going back into that area would be great and they said something out in the article you know they're trying to just uh get that area back to what it once was right and uh no and yeah who knew hunters love animals what's special about this place is it i have a, actually a special place in my heart for this place so this place is called the Marameo. The Marameo is one of the biggest wetland complexes in the world and used to have monstrous buffalo herds and they got decimated to only a couple of thousand. I think the buffalo herd is back up to 30,000, 35,000. No trees, just swamp. You have to use Argos. You know, you just, it's an amazing, amazing, amazing ecosystem. And, um, yeah, it's great to see things like that being protected. You know, very large expanses of habitat being protected by hunters. Um, definitely want to marry my sort of wetland ecology background and my hunting background and and uh, kill a buffalo there one day. That would be cherry on top. Right on. Make a mental note, Cody, okay? I'm ready. Let's go. Um. Yeah, lots of good news. You know, UK, there's another article that we found in the All Africa from Malawi. United Kingdom injects 460 million kwacha into Malawi's wildlife crime fight, which is about 460,000 pounds. Did you know it was a kwacha, Cody, in Malawi? The, the interesting thing about that, did you see what that money was going towards? In the, um, in the detail, that money is actually going towards like court costs, battles, you know, legal fees um, within the courts, which is, uh, you know, a thing I never really probably, yeah. I mean, probably just as, as valuable a tool in anti-poaching as, you know, actual boots on the ground with, with weapons to stop it, but something that I'd never... You know, I never, it never ran through my mind the costs incurred in court in trying to uh, punish or sentence or convict 
or write legislation or there's there's obviously some costs there and then some anti-corruption stuff as well so interesting use yeah. of that money yeah the majority is that reduction of corruption right is the they talk about conducting courtroom monitoring they talk about private prosecutions case law reviews um because at the end of the day you, we hear it from our outfitters all the time they go into a, a lot of uh, time and effort to capture these guys, then march them down to the police station, gets brought in front of the judge, and it gets dismissed. Right. And then poachers right back out there doing exactly the same thing, and they catch them again. Do you think that – does that go back to the the big money – like are judges are being paid off? Is that mm-hmm. – is that that's what it is by, by who Sometimes. By whoever's really making the money off of the ivory and the and the poached items is paying off the judges. Yeah, for the big for the big stuff, yeah. But the little stuff, there's also just like you know, maybe the magistrate of the region is one of the is one of the linchpins in the bushmeat poaching market, right. and this guy's one of his employees essentially. Um, it's more that than you know the, you know the crime syndicate having no judges in their pockets kind of deal. But that's not to say it doesn't happen. Surely does. So now a great little article about that. That was good to see as well. Um, Tim, pick another one. We got a couple more. Oh, okay. Um, how about uh, was it? Princess Charlene. Mm-hmm. I think there's that. Yeah, she. She I don't know was tweeted or did posted on social media anyway about her. Uh, uh, falling in love with South was it South Africa all over again and uh, Rhino yeah. Project. Yeah. Yeah. No, was, the article overall was kind of a little confusing. Um, like. That part was interesting, just the article overall, you know, talking about her and her husband <laughs> and some sort of possible scuffle or some something. I don't know. Yeah, but, that, was, uh, that was weird, wasn't it? It was like very, very, very repetitive, too. <laughs> so, it was like they didn't want to be a gossip rag, so they mentioned the conservation thing in the yeah. title. But it was really, it was, this is, this article could be titled. Prince Albert and Princess Charlene are having marital marital troubles, and she released the video. It's yeah. what. Yeah, but the video was horrendous, man. The video was like a yeah. bunch of her pictures or whoever's pictures, yeah, in a Polaroid <laughs> picture frame in some sort of picture array. Yeah, it was like, really? That's your anti-poaching <laughs> campaign. That is your chasing zero. Yeah. Chasing zero is this idea of like, you know, we don't want any rhinos poached anymore. Yeah. Um, oh, man. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, but it, 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 you know, it's good and it's bad. It's still a, yeah. a famous person with lots of. Oh, they called it a stylish clip, by the way. Right. Yeah. No, it, really, the Daily Mail will throw you sometimes. Like, you can get some good stuff off the Daily Mail and then out of nowhere. They're putting page six stuff not on page six to throw you for a loop a little bit. <laughs> what about um, yeah. what about uh, we can't end this without talking about 
that they need more elephants for Ooh, tiger yes. conservation. Like, let's, oh, do that yes. let's end up. That, let's end the roundup on that one. That one spun me in circles. Of is this a good thing or a bad thing? Obviously, whoever wrote the article, um, it was a very well balanced article, right? They like just quoted people. The article wasn't trying to sway us one way or the other. Um, this is not a thing that I knew that anti poaching groups were in need of before I read this art. I didn't know they needed more elephants. Mm-hmm. So the article's in Monga Bay, which is one of our favorite places to find some good articles. And the title is The Absence of Captive Elephants in Mandaya Pradesh is Impacting Tiger Conservation. You're like, what the hell? That doesn't make any sense. Um, but in fact, the, the, the rangers patrol on captive elephants. That's what they use to patrol forests for conservation work. Makes sense. Tigers aren't going to see elephants as a threat. You can get close to them, um, do a lot more po uh, patrolling and whatnot. Plus, they get around quicker, get around quite silently. Uh, but as the article goes into, it says that there's a shortage of captive elephants. <laughs> and like, they got one that's pregnant. He's like, we got one that's pregnant. We can't use her. It's a great article. They have 52 yeah, yeah. elephants in captivity across all six tiger reserves, out of which only 35 elephants are fit to help in conservation activities. The rest of the elephants are either too old or too young to hit the ground. And so, yeah, there's a wrestling match here, which is, you know, animal rights saying you don't need to be using elephants anymore. Mm -hmm. Animal rights also saying you want to protect tigers, you want to conserve tigers. Well, then how are we going to do that? We have to stop poaching. Tim, I this is a mess, man. Oh, yeah, it's a mess. And, I, you know, they're saying they can't use vehicles, but they're looking at all-terrain vehicles. And um, what about drones? <laughs> Could they utilize something like that as well? I, I, I don't There's know. heritage I, here, right, Cody? Yeah. There's heritage to these guys, the mahouts, and mm -hmm. training elephants and looking after elephants. And we've all seen documentaries of these mahouts and how they love their elephants and they bathe with them and they sleep with them and they wash them and clean them. And, you know, I started the article thinking this is complete bullshit. I can't believe Robbie put this on here. Why would you need an elephant? <laughs> and then I read through yeah. the article and I started thinking I, I, now the same thing that Tim just mentioned, the article, the guy literally says vehicles aren't an option because they're too loud but then, right. he goes, then he goes on to say we're looking at off-road vehicles. So there's a yeah. there's a gap in information there that I don't quite get. But by the end of it, I was a whole lot more open to how the hell else are you going to go out, especially if the if – the, if the, I mean, drones would work for observation. But if you got to go out and handle a tiger or move a tiger right. or tran tranquilize a tiger, I mean, how, el how else – I'm not going out there on foot. Mm -hmm. I'm a fairly, yeah. I'm a fairly dumb guy that will walk into dangerous situations, but I'm not walking through the jungle <laughs> looking for tigers on foot. I'm not doing it. Um, yeah. And, and, uh, 
I don't know. It was weird to me because I thought it was a foolish article by the title. And then by the time I got done with it, I was like, shit, I don't know what to tell them. They do need some more elephants. I don't know how to help them fix it. It was a great article, just a great article with a lot of conundrum to it, right? A lot of conundrum. um, And in all reality, like the elephants to them is like probably horses to us around here, you know? Right. You know? Right. And, And it's just based on culture. Like you look at it and you go... And to them, an elephant is a horse. To us, an elephant is this, you know, charismatic animal. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, hell of an article. I really, really like that one. That was a good one to end on. It's just, there's so much good stuff happening in the world. Oh, absolutely. So much good, interesting stuff happening in wildlife conservation, man. Like I mentioned that uh, the spring bear hunt ban in Ontario, like they brought that back too. So, you know. Oh, when did they ban that? Uh, oh, geez, that would have been would have been the late '90s, I do believe. Okay, okay. And that went on for I'm going to say pretty close to ten years, anyway. And then they brought it back as a pilot. No, probably more than ten years, but anyway, they brought it back as a pilot for a few years, and then uh, just recently, it's fully established again. It's uh, fantastic. That's great news. Yeah, because oh yeah, no, they were running into a lot of issues there. Uh, mm-hmm. Just know bear human conflict so because they they had a fall a fall hunt as well but uh that was okay but they were worried about uh orphaned cubs is why they banned the spring bear hunt and they just didn't give hunters enough credit <laughs> to sure, say, of course, you know of course you know. usual right yep <laughs> Well, yeah, Tim, it's so. been a pleasure, my man, yeah. and mm-hmm. uh, thank you so much for for putting your hand up and, and volunteering yeah. to come Absolutely. on. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, uh, it's pretty good to be here. I'm glad to talk to you guys. Um, pretty good. It's been yeah. amazing to be here. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, the one that you had uh, with his name was Todd, I do believe, not the this most recent one, but one before where you're talking about the elk hunter killing another elk hunter accidentally and. Uh, I would have been good on that one too because I'm a hunter safety instructor. So, you know. Yeah, that would be good, man. Yeah, there's really no excuse, right? Yeah. I mean, I try hard to look at, uh, like, I try very hard to look at when something happens on is there a viable mistake there? Approach common sense in a uh, ju- when, I, when I'm making a judgment, but a human yeah, being mistaken for an elk, there's no excuse. There. You know, it, it's tough. I, I don't think there's much of an excuse either, but these things happen. And, um, you know, we had one here in Saskatchewan. It was foggy and there was a group of hunters coming out of this area. There was a new group coming in and they told them, well, we still got some people coming out. And it was a guy who literally, it was his first day hunting. He thought he saw something through the fog, took a shot and hit a person. And, uh, that person survived luckily, but, uh, yeah, no, it's what goes through some people's heads. I have no idea. Uh, there was a huge one in, uh, it was the East coast, a woman and her husband were up hunting bears and she thought her husband was a bear. (laughs) Yeah, there's, there's, (laughs) I, I have, there's a whole lot of a whole lot of game laws that get violated that I can go, okay, that that's a mistake that could happen. Right. Yep. 
But when it comes down to a firearm or a bow and arrow, that's not, that's not, I mean, that's not a mistake. That's, that's legitimate carelessness. That's legitimate not doing what you're negligence. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Negligence, absolutely. And, and uh, yeah. I think, I think uh, there's nothing that hurts the image of hunting more than killing another person while you're hunting. Nothing. Um, and yeah. we have to, uh, and it, there's n- nothing more important than safety when you're out there. Anyway, it's, it's the one thing I, I'm not normally this Absolutely. type of person. Anyone that listens to this <laughs> knows I, I try to look at both sides of things, but there's no excuse on, on that mistake. It can't happen. Yeah. No, yeah. well, what we teach is our fifth commandment for hunter safety that we have up here is be sure of your target and beyond. And I tell the students, okay, so we're not just talking about what's in front and what's behind, but you got to make sure what your target is too. Yeah, and, uh, absolutely. That's all part of it. You know, yep. I had a, I had a, you know, I've had a few incidences myself where, you know, I'm hunting birds. I took down a, a partridge. I was ready to take down a second. I was lined right up on it. And finger was about to pull the trigger, and my buddy's dog ran right between me and and that bird. And I right away my barrel went up. Trigger never got pulled. You know, it's, these are the things that we always have to be be ready for. Hundred percent, absolutely. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Anybody, All right, Tim, you have a great evening. Anybody yes, else out there well. wants to join this spot? Uh, send in, send an email to info at bloodorigins.com um, or reach out to us on any of the social media. We, we will continue to, uh, till Robbie tells me to stop, we'll continue accepting uh, applications, I guess, to be a guest yeah, on the show. Yeah, get accepted right away. Yeah, exactly. It's been great, Tim. Right. Appreciate it. Thanks for taking the time. Yes, absolutely. Take care of you guys. Well, that's it for today. I appreciate you listening, as always. Leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, Do what's right to convey the truth around hunting.